Open your Bible, if you would, to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. We'll begin reading somewhere around. Uh, Let's see here. Around verse 13, very familiar scripture. I want to talk briefly today, but I want to talk on the idea of there is there are things in this world that have substitutes. You can go and instead of sweetening your tea with regular sugar, you can use a sugar substitute. You can use uh, uh, equal or, or whatever all the other different things are nowadays. There's different substitutes. Nowadays, they actually have something called silk, which is a milk substitute. They have egg substitutes, which I've never had any one of any of those things to my knowledge, but I've heard that they taste similar to the, to the real thing. There are substitutes in almost every area of life that we live in. Uh, not too long ago, the NFL referees went on strike or something happened and they put these substitute referees in and it was like a clown show. You know, they were, they were, I remember there was, you know how when the, the, the referee goes up and he's got to do the call and he flips his his microphone on and he, he looks at the press box and he says, you know, holding or number three, whatever. Well, he had the field backwards, so he did it like this. Yeah, holding the, 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 so that he was, he was, his back was to the camera. Substitutes are okay, but they're not really, they're not the real thing. They're, you know, if you drink a diet Coke and you like regular Coke, you want the real thing. You don't want the, 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 inter, the, 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 the imposter, you know, <laughs> my mom, Bless her heart, she drinks Diet Coke, and, and Dr. Pepper will just about throw her into a gag and fit. So when we were growing up, uh, it was our greatest joy to give her a, a, a big old drink and, and punch down the diet thing and, and act like it was Diet Coke. Go, here you go, Mama got you a drink. And she'd be, you know, and she'd be, ah, this is terrible. And she was probably just putting on because she knew us boys liked to see her squirm, but but either way, a substitute does not perform nearly as well as the real thing. But you see, you and me, uh, we have substitutes that we're okay with, but there is something that we can never, ever, ever substitute in our lives. There are things that you cannot go away from. If the whole world goes away from them, you say, I'm not substituting this. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 6. I'm going to begin in verse number 13. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Say, that's me. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to do, stand. You know, some of us could stop right there and say, Well, I don't know what to do. I feel like I've been standing for so long. Well, guess what? Stand. Verse number 14. Stand, therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth, meaning put a belt of truth on, which the the truth is what holds everything together. It's the thing that we don't back off of. It's the thing that we're not going to apologize for. It's the thing that we're not going to water it down in any way. We're not going to go away from the truth in the name of Jesus. And having the breastplate of righteousness. When you look at me and I have a tie on, one of the first things you see is my tie because that breastplate, that area is very obvious to people. So it ought to be obvious in your life that you are different from the world. You're not in the world. even You're not of the world even though you're in the world. And you walk around with a breastplate of righteousness. When you see Superman, he's got the thing right here, which by the way, I'm not the real Superman. I know I just kind of look like it. But the breastplate is one of the first things you see and people ought to be able to look at your life and say there is something different about them than there is somebody else. 
Your breastplate of righteousness ought to be obvious to the rest of the world. Not only does it protect your vital places, it ought to just be obvious. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Have you ever tried to get out the door in a hurry and you didn't have your shoes tied? You could look like a million bucks, but if your shoes aren't tied, you are not prepared for the walk that you're fixing to go on. You ought to be prepared. Your feet ought to be shod with the preparation of the good news of peace. What does that mean? It means when you go up to the water cooler, you ought to be over there to get you a little drink. And then somebody says to you, say, how are you doing? And all of a sudden they say, well, you know what? I'd be doing better. But I tell you what, you know, my little girl, she just doesn't listen to anything or anything. You ought to be recognizing right there your spiritual radar ought to go off and say, I am so thankful that I am prepared with the gospel of peace because this person might be ready to receive today and I'm going to give them the good news that the same God who touched my life will touch their life and touch their daughter's life. You should be prepared everywhere that you go. Your head should be on a swivel looking saying, where is that person that I'm going to minister to today? Where is that person I'm going to bless today? Where is that person I might be able, they might not be, they might be the hardest person in the world, but maybe they'll have a little crack in their armor today and I can get in with the good news of peace. Have our feet shod. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation. Did you know that a helmet, if everybody knew when they were going to have an accident on a motorcycle, they would all wear a helmet that day. But see, you don't know when you're going to need a helmet. That's why you make sure that thing is strapped on real tight. So when you fall on your head, you recognize that God is there to catch you and save you. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which means it is the final say in your life. It's how we battle. It's how we do war. When Jesus Christ himself was approached by the devil himself, he did not pull out some kind of a mythological flaming sword and cut his head off, even though that would have been awesome. He used the Word of God. He said, it is is written. It is written. Three times he had the opportunity. He could have called a thousand angels. He could have called Michael to come down and say, Michael, take care of this guy for me. But instead, he used the word of God to show us what was the how we are going to uh, 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 fight against the enemy. Back to verse number 16. Here we go, y'all. Above all. Above everything else. Most importantly... The pinnacle of importance in everything that I'm talking about at this moment. The height of importance of all the armor that I'm talking about. The shield of faith. Y'all, there's no substitute for faith. There's nobody that is excluded from having to walk by faith. There's nobody that, that, that... endures enough hardship that now, okay, you don't have to walk by faith anymore because life was so hard for you in the past. Now your future, you can just live life. No, 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 no. You have to walk by faith above all so that we can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Because so many times in the evil days, so many times, so many times, the enemy's going to come in subtly. The enemy's going to come in from the front, from the back, from the side. He's going to come in every direction possible. And the way you stop those fiery darts is with faith. If you're a Christian, you're called to walk by faith. 
If you're a Christian, you are called to walk by faith, not by what you see. Regardless of the news or regardless of the, of the position of your current state, regardless of any of those things, you are called by God to walk by faith. You know, when you have bad news, you're called to walk by faith. When the, the, the HR department sends out an email that says, just a heads up, we're going to be having to make some cutbacks over the next six months, so be prepared. You're called to walk by faith. When somebody at school says, your kid's never going to amount to anything because they have this problem, that problem, or the other problem, you're called to walk by faith. When bad news seems to surround you on every side, you're called to walk by faith. But here's what I want to point out. We just got done with a wonderful weekend with Brother Ivan Tate. He is a prophet of God. He walks upright before God. He's not Jesus, guys. I'm not trying to put him on a crazy pedestal. I'm just telling you, he is a gift from God. He, he, he flows in the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen at every church. He, he's, he's serious about the things of God. Uh, one of the things that I do when I get around men like that is I want to know what's your schedule? What's your routine? What are you doing? Is, it, is there something that I can glean from and apply to my life? Can I make a shift in my life to try to figure out how you're getting that close to the throne? Because when it's all said and done, I want it to be said of me and my family, those people love God. I want, to be, I want it to be said of me and my family, they press towards the mark to the last moment, to the last breath. Those are the things that I'm interested in. And he came to our church. And isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit never gives you bad news about yourself? The Holy Spirit is always going to edify you. It's always going to discuss your future. He's always going to talk about how, how good God wants to bless you. So many times we get caught up in the idea that I'm willing to live by faith when it's hard. I'm willing to look adversity in the face, in the face when it's difficult. But when you have good news from God, my question is, can you still live by faith from A to B? You see, if you're playing baseball which baseball season has started up, which means Sports Center is much more entertaining, thank God. But either way, when you're playing baseball and the pitcher throws the ball and you hit the ball, your goal is to get to home plate, to get all the way around and get to home plate. But if you don't know the rules of the game and you don't understand the processes, when you hit the ball, you would think, well, why don't I just step right here? It's right there. I hit the ball, I'm trying to get here, boom, give me a run. But the problem is, you've got to go to first base. And you've got to go to second base. And you've got to get to third base in order for it all to come together so that when you finally get to that place, it now makes complete sense and everybody's willing to give you the run that you just, walked, that you just uh, battled to get to. You see, God will give you a good idea. God will give you a glimpse of your future. The scripture says that we see through a glass darkly, which means we see through basically like a clouded piece of glass so that if you were to look through something, you might be able to make something out, but you can't necessarily make the full thing out. The Bible says that He knows the plan He has for you, but you don't know all the plans that He has for you. Praise God for those moments when a minister or the Holy Spirit Himself or an angelic visitation or, or a good 
friend who you know is, is full of the Holy Ghost and full of God gives you a little glimpse of what your future could hold. Praise God for those opportunities. But listen to me. Do not set your clock by those things. You live by faith. If you live your life trying to make a prophecy come true, it's almost the number one way to make sure that that prophecy runs from you like you are chasing it with a stick. What you do is when God gives you a word, when God deposits something in your spirit, you say, praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for speaking to my spirit. Thank you, God, for for giving me a direction and giving me a glimpse into my future. Now, what am I going to do? I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm going to declare the goodness of God and I'm going to walk by faith. All through your life, you know, there's, there's a lot of different instances where people can, can get real good at giving words. And if you look at people just right, you can even good at getting good at giving them what you think they ought to hear. And all of a sudden, the problem is, is now people start adjusting their life to what they just heard in a manner that is not in line with God's word. Meaning, if I were to, the Holy Spirit were to speak to me, and I were to say, Avery Paul, you're going to be a minister of the gospel in Nigeria. Now, the Holy Spirit's not saying that. I'm not prophesying. If that happens, great. But here's the deal. I'm not under the Holy Ghost right now. I'm just telling you. If that were to happen, and, and that were to register true in Avery's spirit, and then he were to begin waking up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm not going to Gander Mountain tomorrow morning to go to work to provide for my, myself and to make sure that I can pay my bills because God told me I'm going to Nigeria. Now here's the scenario. If God says quit your job, quit your job. If God says do it, I don't care what it is. If God says sew a shirt out of cotton and sell it, whatever God tells you to do, do it. But the scenario is when you receive from God, it does not exclude you from having to walk this thing out by faith. Because before you get to home plate, oftentimes you've got to go to first. Oftentimes you've got to go to second. Oftentimes you've got to go to third. Sometimes you hit a home run and you just get to trot around and smile at everybody and everything's wonderful. But other times you've got to run and barely make it to first. And then while you're on first, the pitcher keeps throwing the ball over there and you keep having to run back to the same place that you thought you were away from to begin with because you've got to get to second base before you can even think about third or fourth, third or home. It's different when you live for God. When we have bad news, it's a knee-jerk response where we go, you know what, I'm just going to uh, uh, believe God in the middle of this uh, fiery furnace. I'm going to believe God in the valley of the shadow of death. But when God deposits good news, you can't slow down. You've got to turn it up. We live by faith, not by sight. That means whenever God deposits that word on the inside of you, you still have to continue to go left foot, right foot, out of bed, brush my teeth, comb my hair, all the things that you would normally do in your life. It doesn't mean that you don't, it doesn't mean that you don't begin to prepare. If God were to tell you that you're going to Nigeria, then you better start finding out what languages do they speak in Nigeria. Because here's the scenario. If he gave you a word, it was for a reason. And listen to this. It is for a season. And God can pick you up right where you are and put you right where he wants you 
or need you to be for the sake of the kingdom. And if from the time you received the word that came through and you were able to see a glimpse through a glass darkly, if from that moment to the time that he accelerates you and puts you in Nigeria, you did not prepare for Nigeria, then shame on you and you will not be as effective as he wanted you to be. So many times we think, oh, thank God that he's going to do this for me. And he is. But listen to me. He said it is finished when he was on the cross. It is now for us to pick up our cross and bear it. When you have bad news, live by faith. When you have good news, live by faith. And here's the deal. Only listen to your father's voice. Many of you might not have had a good father growing up. If that's the case, I'm sorry. I have the greatest father known to man, earthly, that that I know of. My dad, I, I have not one single complaint about my father. When I grew up, I never had to wonder, will my dad make the right decision? It is literally to this day, I was pulling in the parking lot and I was talking to him on the phone and we were talking about a deal that he's working on. And while he was talking, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I've never in my life had to wonder if he was going to make the right decision. I'm not saying he's never made a mistake. I'm just saying his attempt is to do things upright. His attempt is to do things well. His attempt is to do things before God in an integritous way. So for if you didn't have a good father, please do not look at your heavenly father as if he is like the bad father experience that you had here on earth. The reality is, is your heavenly father loves you more than anything else and the price that he put on your head was the blood of his only son. But either way, in my personal life, if I knew your story, I would tell it, but my story includes a great daddy. As long as I've been alive, I've wanted to be around him. He, he, we, we, my, my, my life consisted of working with him. You know, they, they, they've been entrepreneurs, so that means the, the family was always working together. So I'm just always with him all the time. Well, one of the things that we like to do uh, is he, when I was about, I don't know, 12 years old, he bought this boat and he would pick me up from school and we would either go to Lake Sam Rayburn and we would hydro slide and water ski or we would go to uh, the Angelina River, which comes out of, of Lake Sam Rayburn. There's some people over here know exactly what I'm talking about uh, come out of Lake Sam Rayburn and, and it was just a great place and sometimes he'd let me put my life jacket on and go jump off the bridge which was Highway 60 is it 63 or 190? I think it's 63 the Gazaways know anyway over there and I would jump out of there man and it was just a great time we'd go to the river and, 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 but the interesting thing was is there was very few people water skiing on the river And for me, it didn't make any sense to me until I got a little bit older and I realized that there was an alligator on almost every single corner of the river. We never went more than a mile down the river that there wasn't a big old alligator laying on a sandbar sunning himself. And so I'd be skiing and I'd be going, Hey, Dad, an alligator, look at that. And he's like, Yeah, alligator. But I never forget the first time that it dawned on me there's alligators in the water that I'm skiing in. Now, now for instance, when you're skiing, I really didn't have that much concern because you're like walking on the water like Peter and Jesus used to do. But, but whenever you're, you're, you, you fall or you're waiting for the boat to pick you up, I mean, you're just chumming. You know, I mean, you're just laying there, you, your legs dangling. You're like a topwater bait, you know. You got the life jacket on, you know. 
But anyway, it was, it was an interesting thing. And I remember when I got old enough to kind of dawn on me that all these alligators were in the same water that we're swimming in. And I said, Daddy, I said, did you know that these alligators go in the water too? And he said to me, he said, they won't hurt you. And I thought, okay. And so I never thought about them again. Because Daddy said, they won't hurt you. The shield of faith will enable you to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Then when he was talking about this, he was probably talking in the terms of what a Roman soldier looked like in the day. Because there was Roman soldiers everywhere. Jerusalem was occupied by Rome at the time. So the Roman soldiers, uh, 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 oftentimes their shields had a leather outside on it. And before they, before, if they knew they were going to battle, they, they would soak their shields in water so that whenever the archers from afar who were shooting flaming arrows or flaming darts, they would hit those shields and they would be quenched on the uh, saturated shield that the soldier was holding and then they could just keep on going forward. So it wouldn't burn up their shield. It wouldn't hurt them. They were ready to go. But the problem is if you don't have a shield in that moment, you got a problem. And here's the other side of it. If your shield is not saturated, then you're not putting out any fires. You have to be saturated by the Word of God. You have to be saturated by the presence of God. You have to make it your point and your goal to be so full of God that whenever you sense the enemy coming in or you sense some kind of negativity or hardship, then from that standpoint, you just recognize that this shield of faith that I am carrying and that I'm walking with will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. And if you don't believe me, my dad said so. We would go, and I got a little older, and, you know, us friends, I remember an uncle gave me a boat, and, man, if you don't think I was cool having a boat, you are wrong. It was awesome. It was old. It didn't run worth a foot. It had, a, it had uh, uh, two cylinders that barely ever fired off, but, man, when they did, it made for a fun 30 seconds, you know. And, but but it, I, had, I had one, one uh, rule on the boat, and it was real simple, is we would get into the, into the river, and we would only go upstream. Because the problem was, is more often than not, we would have to, uh, the, the motor would die, and we wouldn't be able to get it cranked, and we would just float that thing down the river, and then somebody would jump out and swim it over to the, to the truck, and we'd pull it in, and we rescued that boat a hundred times. But the problem was, if we'd have gone down river, we'd have never been able to get it, get it back. But I only had one rule, that was to go upriver. But I remember, and I was out there in the river, and I had a few guys with me. One guy was from California, of all places. The left coast, you know. And he was out there, and he says, uh, hey, we're, we're going along. And I'm like, man, we're about, to go, we're about to go skiing. He goes, yeah, that's great. Well, we're going, and we're trying to get way upriver so we could ski back down. And look over on a sandbar, and there's a big old 10-foot alligator laying there. If y'all, has anybody ever seen an alligator? Ten foot and over looks like a dinosaur. I mean, they're terrifying. I'm not kidding you. So I pull over onto the sandbar, and I say, here's what we're going to do, guys. I've seen this on TV. We're going to jump on that alligator. I will hold his mouth, but I'm going to need you guys to jump on my back and hold him down, and we're going to see what we can do with this alligator. And maybe it wasn't ten feet. I don't know, but it was a big one. So he looks at me, and he says, are you crazy? And I just looked at him. I said, they won't hurt you. 
And in my, in, my, in my innermost being, I believed it because dad said that an alligator won't hurt you. So he says, I'm not getting on that alligator. I said, well, I guess I'm flying solo because I'm getting that alligator. And praise God, when I got about 10 feet from it, it went off in the water and I did not get eaten and therefore I'm here today. But the thing is, if daddy said it, you have to believe it. Faith is the thing that cannot be purchased, but does not come cheap. Faith is the super fuel that keeps the children of God at opposition, staring at opposition far greater in measure than what we appear, boldly decreeing and declaring that God will make a way. Faith is a choice. There's nothing in this life that says you have to trust God. There's nothing in this world that says you have to depend on Him. But if you do, faith is the surety that victory is yours. Many of us are going through trying times. I can relate. Many of us received this week, either from Brother Ivan, from the Holy Spirit, through Brother Ivan... Some of us, God, maybe spoke to us today in praise and worship, just saying, it'll be okay. But the thing is, when you receive good news and when you receive bad news, your requirement is the same. Above all, more important than anything else that you carry around, do not leave your shield of faith. Because it's in those moments, it's in those times when you're staring at that 10-foot alligator. The only thing that will give you the confidence to take another step is faith. The only thing that will propel you to the next big decision, excuse me, propel you through the next big decision in your life is faith. You say, well, I'm not clear on what God wants me to do. The Bible says this. His rod and His staff comfort me. That means if an old sheep needs to go in a different direction, he doesn't worry about whether or not the shepherd is going to direct him. His job is to just keep walking. See, you can make a wrong turn in faith and trust the shepherd's rod and staff and he can bring you right back around. But what he can't use is a sheep that won't move. We have two goats. Doggone, we have a lot of barnyard animals, don't we? We have seven cats now, people. Who wants a kitten? We have seven cats and one of, another one's pregnant. Seven cats. I don't even like cats, y'all. We have two goats. Walker Lee's first baseball game was Saturday, which, here's another little piece of news. Um, In T-ball, they're only supposed to go to first base when they hit it, even if they hit it to the fence. Well, if you're a daddy, 
and your son hits it to the fence and they stop him on first base. <laughs> I didn't know the rule. So I was like, go, buddy, go. <laughs> and the coach is over there holding him. I'm like, let him go. <laughs> In love. <laughs> I didn't know. But what I'm saying is, along the way, you've got to be moving. See, right before we went to that baseball game, T-ball, uh, the goats got out. And, and I had to go catch them. I caught one. One's name's Baseball. The other one's name's Jewel. Baseball, I caught him first. And I went to go, no, I caught Jewel first. And I went to go get Baseball. And I got him, and I got him by his horn. And I'm pulling him, and, and, and he just stops. And I'm sitting there thinking, your horn is going to break off. You've got to come on, man. And I'm trying to get him, trying to get him. And if he would have just been in motion, it would have been a lot less painful for old baseball. Because I could have just guided him and directed him. I had a rope, you know. Wouldn't have been a problem. But a sheep that doesn't move, that rod and that staff, it just hurts. But if you're willing to walk by faith in the good times, walk by faith in the bad times, when it's difficult, Walk by faith. When it's easy, walk by faith. You ought to make the decision right now. It says, every day of the world, I'm going to walk by faith. You say, what does that mean? It means when the enemy says something contrary to the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, then I'm going to believe the Word above everything else. I'm not looking at the details, even though they're important. I'm not looking at them as the finality of my situation. They may help me address something. They may help me change something or monitor something. But here's the other side of it. If you really believe God's sending you to Nigeria and you're not preparing for Nigeria, I don't think you really believe. The farmer who believes it's going to rain prepares his fields for rain you can say it all day long but the Bible says let's not be hearers of the word but doers of the word regardless of what you see don't hearken to the voices of this world but listen to your father's voice I should not have jumped on an alligator I'm glad I did not in hindsight But I believed my dad. Well, your heavenly father makes all kind of promises for victory. Your job is to believe it by faith. Your job is to step right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is. Substance things hope for the evidence things not seen. It's what we don't see. It's what we don't know. It's our surety. But it starts off very interesting by saying, now faith is. You don't get faith and then go, I'll use it two weeks from now and I'll put it on my calendar and I'll make sure that I apply faith to my life in a month. Now faith is. Let's all stand to our feet. Man, it was a good weekend in God. I don't mean to 
rehash it. If you weren't here, you missed out, I promise you. But it was a good weekend in God. I'm so glad that the Lord showed up so strong. I'm believing God for a hundred salvations on Easter Sunday. Will you believe God with me for 100 salvations on Easter Sunday? Believe in God for 100 salvations. But here's the scenario. This past weekend, we all got blessed. This past weekend, we had a special gift in the house. We made a big deal to, 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 to celebrate that gift and to celebrate God. But that doesn't exclude us from living by faith, y'all. It doesn't exclude us from rolling out of bed and just doing this thing in line with kingdom principles and kingdom values. Amen? Let's all bow our head and close our eyes. If you're in the building. Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.